Welcome, my friends, to Scrimey River, the MTG Advice Podcast. I'm Riley. I'm Dennis. And we're here to solve your problems. Once again, Dennis, very excited to get underway with another episode of Smart. Yes, dole out some wisdom to the, the unwashed masses. The, un, the unwashed masses. More unwashed than ever before, potentially. That's true. Magic players, I would say, generally have a reputation for being largely unwashed. And yeah, the hygiene reputation of the community is not 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 pristine, shall we And say. I can't imagine that a year of being confined to our homes has helped that situation too much, Dennis. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, I'm in my pajamas. Me too. So, yeah, we, so. we are we are fully, you know, glass house aficionados here. It is uh, it is twenty to one in the afternoon, and both Dennis and I are in, are enjoying a very relaxed um, recording session. Well, I like to I like to. I want all of my advice on this show to be fresh off the top of the dome, mm, mm. and I can only do that in like a semi-meditative state. And I think pajamas are part of that. Exactly. Like we don't want you, you don't want to burden your mind with the no, no, no. the issue of which now which pair of underpants will I wear? You know, which of the two? <laughs> which of the two? The one that is in the washing basket or the one that is not? Ah, we'll go for the washing basket one. I can get one more day out of them. I'll just yeah. turn. Ever turned your, unsi- your undies inside out? Can't say that I have. That's like a travel tip, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the underwear really has four sides. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you flip it around the other way. Yeah. Oh, dear. Dennis, can I tell you something, actually? Here you go. This is, this is, a, this is a, um, a completely irrelevant piece of advice uh, in this day and age, but I'm just going to prepare you for when, when we go back to the old days, if we ever do. Do you know the single most useful item I've found to bring with me whenever I travel? What's that? Is a pillowcase. Why is that? The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy talks about the towel being the most useful. No, it is the pillowcase, and I'll tell you why. First of all, its primary use as a pillow, right, to to make a pillow, you put your clothes in there. If you need to sleep somewhere, if the pillow at the hostel isn't big enough, which is always, the the pillows are never good at a hostel. You say hostel like you're so posh, but I'll let that slide. Hostel is how we say it. Hostel. A hostel. Anyway, make make an actual pillow. You know, just pop some jumpers in there, whatever else on that. It's good. Also doubles as an extra bag if you need it to, like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then and then we get into all the emergency uses for it, tearing strips off of it, you know, all of that sort of stuff there, right? But mm-hmm. having a hybrid bag slash pillow. Sleeping implement. Sleeping implement is, is very, very, very useful indeed. And also it helps you pack because if you've got like, like I'll, for example, I'll often put all my socks and undies in the, in uh-huh. the because otherwise they get spread around all your, you know, your suitcase everywhere. Oh, you everywhere. lose them, yeah. They're all well, gone, yeah. Who's got time for that? So I put them all in the, uh, in the pillowcase and then, and then I can use that as a, a rather lumpy pillow at a, uh, at a moment's just notice. A, just a genuine piece of ordinary travel advice there. Actual re- regular travel advice if you uh, want to hold on to that for the next who knows how long yeah, before keep that you're under, under your pillowcase hat. Um, anyway, Dennis, we've got we've got a lot to get through today, mm. and I want to hurry through the Channel Fireball sponsorship message because I imagine they are going to be eclipsed very soon. Yeah, as, I think so too. So as, Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com slash box breaks. Really much of box breaks. Box breaks are cool. Mm-hmm. You can use your store credit for them. If you have CFB Pro, you get uh, early access to them. Get mm-hmm. CFB Pro Plus. Use the store credit you get from Pro Plus on the box breaks. All hums. Use code SMART to sign up for all of them. We're kicking. We're kicking. Yeah, there's a lot right. of synergy involved in that. You know, you you sign up for CFP Pro, you get access to all the articles, you get the, um, you get the store credit. You put the store credit into box breaks. It's like it's basically just like its own sort of real time strategy game, right? It's like one of those market mm. economic simulator optimization games. Did you hear about GameStop? I've heard about this. I was reading about this. this. is incredible. Can we? Well, let's address this very quickly. Then we'll talk about the um, the new sponsor that this show. For so those who don't know, a bunch of hedge funds shorted GameStop, which basically means betting against the stock of GameStop. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to. Uh, can I can I jump in here because I want to explain what short selling is 
mm-hmm. using Magic the Gathering terminology because that's how I learned how to do it, right? Okay. Okay. Here is what shorting is. You're going you're, you're to understand this for the rest of your life now as a Magic player because this, this is how I got taught. Short selling is when, right, Dennis knows, for example, that let's say Lotus Cobra mm-hmm. is going to be banned in standard. <laughs> He's had, mm-hmm. he's got the tip. He knows, right? Mm-hmm. It's 10 bucks, whatever it is, right? He comes to me and he's like, hey, man, can I borrow your Lotus Cobras? I'm like, absolutely, sure, have them, right? I give him a play set of Lotus Cobras. He sells them for $40, right? Mm-hmm. Then after they get banned, he rebuys a play set of them for $2 mm-hmm. and gives them back to me. Exactly. I've got the Lotus Cobras that I started with. Dennis is up thirty-four, $32. You're basically betting that the thing of the value is the value of thing is going to go down. Yes, if, and and it especially helps if you know, for example, that it's going to be. So a lot of people are saying, "Well, GameStop, AMC, they're on the way out. The pandemic, everything else. People aren't buying games at GameStop anymore. This stock- and they weren't even before. So yeah, yeah. And this stock is going to crash. So I'm going to bet against it by shorting it, by borrowing so- a bunch of it, selling it when it's high, and then hoping it'll crash. Repaying it, right? Sorry, not buying it, borrowing a lot of it, selling it, mm-hmm. and then they give it back when it's at a lower price. So Reddit basically destroyed everything. They've, they've Bunch of stock of meme lords. And- yeah, billions yeah. of dollars of damage by buying and therefore artificially inflating the stock of GameStop. Mm-hmm. And what that does is, so ri- suddenly I'm like, Riley, hey, I loaned you my Lotus Cobras. Yep. And then I go and to all of my some, MTG so, finance mates. Someone's seance type thing, whatever, mm. increased the, the, the price of Lotus Cobras just a little bit. Mm. Then it's a snowball effect because suddenly I'm like, Riley... Lotus Cobras are actually 15 bucks. I want mine back mm. to sell them. And you're like, I don't have them. Mm. I sold them for 10 bucks. Now I got to buy them for 15 bucks yes. to give them back. You buying them for 15 bucks makes another person go, oh, God, they're 18 bucks now. Yep. I got to end it. Bam, 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 yep. bam, bam. And here's what's even, here's what's even worse. I say worse. I'm loving this. A bunch of rich young billionaires are losing money hand over fist and I can't get enough of it, right? Yeah, it is, a, it is, it is Occupy Wall Street on their own turf. It's so good. But here's the fantastic thing about when people who are shorting get start, get like screwed over, right? When you are betting on the stock market, when you're betting on a stock going up, there you is own a the stock, yeah, and and there is a limit to how much you can lose. Exactly. If I've got a hundred dollars and I'm going, all right, I'm going to buy, sto- I'm going to buy Lotus Coppers, right? And because I think they're going to go up, right? I spend on my, I spend my hundred dollars. They go down. They become zero. They're worth nothing. I've lost a hundred dollars, right? If you short sell a bunch of hundred uh, on a hundred dollars of, of lotus cobras you borrow and sell a hundred a hundred dollars worth of lotus cobras there is no limit to the high to the the upper price because you have to give them back even if they cost ten thousand dollars you gotta so, get them back <laughs> so if dennis borrows the lotus cobras off me for ten dollars right and then this is obviously completely unrealistic right they go to a hundred dollars each and I've sold them to somebody else for for ten dollars. And you say I want them back. I need to buy them at a hundred. He, he's now four hundred dollars in debt. Whereas if it had been the other way around, the most you could get to is zero. So the biggest loss you could take then is forty dollars. Yes, they might bankrupt a hedge fund. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. I love it's it. It's just crazy. It's crazy, dude. It's just it's so delicious, and there is no like. Look, I'm you know I'm not a eat the rich. Burn the banks, capital, capitalism, the worst thing in the world. I'm pretty middle of the road when it comes to this sort of stuff. Like, I describe myself as socialist, but, like, generally speaking, I think capitalism is fine. It's the best mm-hmm. we've got, largely. I'm sure we could do better, but whatever, right? And the thing that I love about this 
is that all the people who are like, no, capitalism, ooh, rah, it's the best system there is, mm-hmm. they cannot complain about this system because this is capitalism at work. And I it's anarcho-capitalism, it. yeah. It's so good. Oh, it's so... Everyone who's talking about deregulated market economies is just having their asses handed to them, Dennis, and I can't get enough of it. Oh, oh, it's very good. Anyway. I meant to ask you, can I borrow your Lotus Corpus? I've already lent them out. Sorry, man. Damn it! <laughs> Why, do you know something I don't? No, I don't. <laughs> Oh, dear. Anyway, speaking of capitalism, Dennis, we had a very interesting offer here. Sponsorship offer, yeah. From a new sponsor. I'm going to have to get Channel Fireball on the phone and tell them to rescind their sponsorship. We're going to talk, talk about this because we've got a very exciting new offer. This one, we, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about wanting to pick up more sponsors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hoping to, you know, boost those podcast numbers up even further. And we got an email, Dennis, from Matty and Hal. With a lucrative and very exciting sponsorship opportunity for us. Do you want to to take us through it, Dennis? Dear Riley and Dennis, in a recent episode of the podcast, you both expressed an interest in further sponsorship. Obviously, we would not wish to compromise your financial relationship with Channel Fireball, so we come bearing another sponsorship offer. Myself and my colleague Howell are dry stone wallers in the Pennines. (laughs) Pennines? I think it's Pennines. Dry stone wallers. Yep, not wet stone wallers, dry stone wallers. No, dry. On the border between Yorkshire and Lancashire, we mostly rebuild walls that were constructed several hundred years ago, and the walls that we build are expected to last around 200 years, give or take. We find all sorts of interesting items in stripping out walls, which inspire me to get in touch with you both. So these are the walls that, imagine imagine in your mind the the idyllic pastoral scene of the English countryside, you know, the sheep grazing on the hillsides with the stone walls dividing up all the things. These are these walls. I've seen, I mean, I've I've hiked across England and and Britain Mm -hmm. and uh, Scotland, whatever else, and these walls are incredible. Like they've been there for ages and there's, there's no mortar, there's nothing. They're just stacked against each other. And they're stacked in a certain way that they last. Obviously, the wind and the rain, whatever, uh, gets them down eventually. But these these stone, and it's amazing that even today, it's like a Thatcher. There are still specialist people in the workforce who still build these walls using technology that's hundreds of years old. Same. Part as of this is part. Still- Nikki does this in work sometimes. It's a conservationist work. Like you need yeah. people who know how to build stuff the way it was built originally, or it just breaks. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, so <clears throat> our offer is for you to send items to be sealed in a jar and built into a wall. At some point in the future, someone will find this jar while, while rebuilding a wall and find that they can post their magic cards to shopfireball.com and receive store credit using code SMAR. Anyone can send you money. We're offering to send you a legacy. Oh, Dennis. And the opportunity to deeply bewilder the magic players of the future. Can you truly afford to say no? Look at the pitch. How's the pitch? Thank you for the podcast. We listen at work and deeply bewilder and amuse many dog walkers expecting wholesome traditional crafts and getting two queer folk giggering to your MTG podcast. <laughs> Top job. All the best, Dovijania, and stay fresh from the muddiest people you've never met, Matty and Hal. P.S. After sending that, it occurred to me that you might not believe that such a job exists, so I'm attaching pictures of walls as verification that in 2020 people make a living moving stone around. The smaller person is Matty. The taller person is Hal. We are always this muddy. And they have sent some pictures that of, of the two of them building walls, and Dennis, they are... Extremely muddy. They are very. Is one, for, is one of them for, small and one of them tall? Well, for, for, for people who have described themselves as dry stone wallers. Doesn't look it. They're very wet. A very wet <laughs> occupation <laughs> for something as, as dry in the title. Now, Dennis, the question that I keep coming back to can we afford to say no? I, what would we send them? What would we send them? I, I, like, we could send like messages or channel five. I'd, I'd, I'm thinking about this, right? Apparently, these walls last 200 years. That's a long I'm, time. I'm thinking back to like 1820. 
So Ron? like look, we're in twenty twenty one. Yeah. That's gonna take us to forty twenty one. I'm <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll I'll come with you on this one. <laughs> That's two thousand years, Dennis, but, I know, I but know. very close. <laughs> um I'm thinking back to eighteen twenty, eighteen twenty one. And I'm thinking like what were the people who were repairing the drywalls there? What what would they have been mystified? Like what are they putting in there that we'd be mystified by today? I'm trying to find what happened in eighteen twenty one. 1821, so uh, in if we're talking about in Britain specifically, it's a couple of years after the Congress of Vienna, which just redrew the boundaries of Europe after the Napoleonic Wars. So it's a time of great political turmoil, but relative peace, militarily speaking, the period between the history of uh, the, the Congress of Vienna in 1815 and, of course, the outbreak of the, world, of, the, of the First World War in the early 20th century, a period of relative peace. There were some wars here and there, but there was nothing, there were no large-scale, enormous conflicts. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing too exciting. It looks. Britain like. was undergoing a period of uh, of. Oh, oh! Napoleon died. Yes, but he, he was already like finished. Like he was already yeah. he was often bloody Saint Helena or whatever. Um, yeah. Britain in particular was going through a period of, of political reform because they didn't want the French Revolution to happen in Britain, so they did a lot of parliamentary reform. And then, of course, the onset of the Industrial Revolution is still about thirty years away. So. Well, no, nah, that's a, uh, it depends. 1850 is like a, a, a decent year to say the Industrial Revolution started, but I mean, really, I mean, already we've got steam engines and, and stuff going. So, so what could you put in that would bewilder us today? Then, what would put what would be put in there? See, bewilderment doesn't really go in that direction, does it? Like putting something in there that we wouldn't see anymore today would be interesting. So, like an iPod or like a non-bent Magic the Gathering card. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear very good um some sort of playable white rare perhaps maybe something that's true, right. true. <laughs> <laughs> right can we put a balanced standard format in this time capsule yeah something that they'll never see ever again they'll never see again do we does it have to be magic related i know I, I love the idea now of making a little like time capsule magic magic related or not Right? To so, build into a wall somewhere. This reminds me of something that the Wizards of Rixalon, where they gave everybody those geocaches. Do you remember this? I do. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. So we had one at Windmill Slam, which mm-hmm. we hid in the woods in Wicklow. Mm-hmm. This thing has gone far. Where is it now? It is now, currently, one moment, I'm looking at the page, mm. in Schleswig Holstein. Schleswig Holstein, yeah, which Schleswig used to be, Holstein, which, which interesting, Dennis used to be part of Denmark before the uh, wars of uh, of Germany in eighteen twenty, exactly in eighteen sixty six. Actually, so close, so close. Under, uh, if you go to uh, Berlin today and you go and have a look at the Ziegerzeile, the enormous victory monument, check this out. This is actually a great story. You ready for this? In Germany, on the main street, there is a huge, huge victory monument, the Ziegerzeile, right? Big, mm-hmm. big plinth with an angel on top of it, and it was built initially. A lot smaller for the victory in 1866, the war uh, with the um, the Austro-Prussian War and the and the, the Seven Weeks War, that, and the victory with the, that gave them Schleswig Holstein. Then they mm. won the Austro the, the 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 Franco-Prussian War four years later, and they were like, instead of a new monument, why don't we just put this this one on a much taller pedestal and call it? <laughs> so they, <laughs> they didn't up make another feet. one. They just made this one way way bigger. Anyway, that's the story that I have so about. I've looked it up. Our little track of Rexon has traveled 11,000 miles. That's a long way, and it's currently in northern Germany. Yeah, so it's been to Poland, it's been to Slovenia, mm-hmm. Belgium. It went to took a brief stint up to Norway and back, oh, it looks to, like. to Trondheim for a little bit there, yep. Yeah, yeah, and it's just bounced all around. Now, 
I don't think our time capsule will move as far as that if it's buried in a wall in England. It might move six or seven inches down. Yes, basically. potentially, <laughs> depending how many rocks become uh, dislodged. But Dennis, I think we should do this. So what, what, what do people of the future chicken nuggets? Could we petrify a chicken nugget? You could, like a, in case in amber, like yeah. in Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can get them. You can get them. Yeah. One of one of our one of our viewers, one of the, the viewers, Megan, my stream sent us a, a petrified chicken nugget, um, like Christmas ornament, it's like in good. resin. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's very cool. It's wonderful. I think so. That would be good. What's something mm-hmm. that they that they'll miss? What's something that's around now that is just not? Like gonna what's be something that you anymore? missed from eighteen twenty? I'm trying to like I'm polio. Like, <laughs> Mate, seal some coronavirus in there. Oh, put some coronavirus <laughs> in there. There you go. That's a that's really with the zeitgeist. See, I'm, thinking, I'm trying to think of something like the floppy disk, you know? I'm trying to think mm. of the 2021 version of the floppy disk. That is probably some AirPods. Is it? Is that what it's going to be? Because mm-hmm. where are they going to go from here, though? Just, just, just surgical implants your on, your, on, your, on, your, on your ear bones? Like, maybe, like, a real hot, like, hot high-level strategy guide to Among Us would be pretty... <laughs> How about this? A watch. Well, I don't know. We'll still have watches. Watches have been functionally obsolete, technically speaking, for like 100 years, and we still use them. Dennis, how old do you think watches are? Oh, hundreds of years old. No. No. Do you know when people started wearing watches? Like, 1700s? No, no, dude. Not consumers. I guess clocks are very old. Clocks are very old, yes. No, like a a, a, a wristwatch is... Women used to wear them as items of jewelry before this, but it was still very rare. They, They took off in popularity after the First World War. Well, that's just a cost thing. No, it was a technological thing because they couldn't miniaturize them reliably. Miniaturize enough. them, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we've had digital, anal- digital watches for yeah. sixty years now. But that's what I'm saying. In two hundred years, I don't think I don't think people will be wearing watches. Maybe not. I don't think so. They might be wearing like personal computing devices on their wrists that have, you know, that that can tell the time. The Pip Boy. Yeah, they might have Pip Boys. I don't know. I'll think about this. Let us know, know in the I, Discord. I, exactly right. That's what I'm going to say as well. What should we include if we had to go ahead with it? Because we haven't, like, I mean, we've probably given you enough details to, like, we've said Maddie and Hal, you know, Yorkshire, Lancashire, in the Penines, Dry Stone Walls. You'll probably be able to find them off of that. But officially, together, yeah. officially, we have not yet doxed in, them. <laughs> it, well, no, we haven't endorsed them is what I'm saying. That true, that too use, as well. Yes. Use their dry stone walling services at your own risk. They do not come with the endorsement of SMAR until until we get confirmation of the sponsorship deal. We'll have to think about it. We'll have to think about it. All right, leave it. Right, let's leave dive it. into some real advice, Riley. Let's get into some real advice, Dennis. Who, who's our first question from? First question is from Jay Klex. No relation to JMAS to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Jay Klex writes in and says, I have a friend who I helped get into magic, and it's actually starting to bring out some pretty problematic behavior that I've noticed developing over time. Uh-oh. Oh, dear. We used to live together, and we were constantly doing heads-up cube drafts. During this time, I noticed that my friend really liked to goldfish his decks. I mean, really liked it. He wouldn't just play out a few hands to learn how his combo decks worked. He'd be goldfishing blue-white control out to turn 10, negating imaginary spells and pathing imaginary creatures. This is a little weird, but not a huge problem. Fast forward a few years. My friends have a magic group chat, and we love to talk strategy. We're always posting what's the pick, what's the play, etc. However... The gold fisherman seemed only <laughs> to post screenshots of himself annihilating his opponents. I'm talking vintage cube board states where his opponent has no permanence to play and he's attacking for 40. I pointed this out and we had a laugh, but deep down I was a bit troubled. Now, just this week, the gold fisherman confided in me something that he has been keeping deadly secret. In his spare time, he will play games against Sparky. Okay. 
Okay. The demo UI in Arena. Yeah. With the sole intention of dealing maximum damage to this defenseless AI. Oh my goodness. He says he gets a sick pleasure from amassing enormous a board sick states pleasure. And swinging for thousands of damage at poor Sparky. My question to Smart is, at what point do I step in? What if he escalates this? What if he ends up renting out entire convention halls just to top eight his own goldfish and GP with a really respectable X2 finish? He is not a rich man. He can't afford it. Or do I just let him play it out, induct himself into the goldfishing hall of fame, and retire from competitive play when he gets offered the senior game developer position at Direwolf Goldfishing Digital? <laughs> Please help, Jakelex. <laughs> oh, Jakelex. That's very good gear, very mate. Strong. That's crazy. So, Great email. Did you oh, watch Mindhunter, Riley? Which one? Mindhunter. No. No, I've never seen Mindhunter. It's a David Fincher produced Netflix show about okay. the behavioral sciences unit at the FBI, which I think is mostly real, about these guys trying to figure out why there was this like epidemic of serial killers in America in the 70s. All right. And trying to figure out what the common cause yeah, between yeah, them is. Yeah. And it was like a lot of them have abusive relationships with their mothers, A lot, but a lot of them would like hurt animals or tortured mm, animals yes, yeah, as like children a, like a, a gateway to it yeah i'm really worried that if you bust down the gold fisherman's door you're gonna go out back you're gonna find a pit with him lowering a bucket in saying you know it sleeves the deck or it gets the hose again oh, Riley. No. <laughs> that's what i'm worried about oh dear this is i like i there's there's another element of this we need to explore here Dennis, that concerns me when the robot uprising comes, Goldfisherman is going to be first. Straight to the gulag. Straight to the robot gulag. Because, robot gulag. like, we've talked about this. It says in the, in the, in the question, the sick pleasure derived from do, dealing maximum Some damage to this, stupid def- robot. To this yeah, defenseless yeah. AI. And the thing about robots is, Dennis, just like elephants, they've got great big ears. No, they don't forget. I mean, you can wipe them, but yeah. Can you, though? Yeah, R2 didn't remember having already met Obi-Wan. But didn't he? Okay, that's true. Yeah, all right. All right. Okay, so so is that reliable though? What if they like unhack the delete? This is what I'm worried about. I'm worried about- Yeah, yeah Delete and Daddy actually don't delete it most of the time. You just mark it for deletion. I, like I'm worried about Goldfisherman actually doing damage. None of this Goldfisherman, sparky. by the way, sounds like a villain in a Metal Gear Solid game and not a human being. Uh, you might be wondering why they call me Goldfisherman. I, like to play I was magic. I was trapped in a bowl for three for what felt like three seconds over and over and over again <laughs> for a thousand years. Oh dear! Um, goldfishermen may be hurting our chances as a species of survival when the singularity comes to us. But is this? I mean, is it better if you were to be doing this to other human beings? At least they've got a fighting chance. Not if it keeps them in the pit out back, they no, don't. I suppose it sleeves okay. the deck or it gets the hose again, Riley. I'm worried. I'm worried about this whole thing here. Um, okay, so in reality, you're, this is... Okay, real talk. I think this is probably speaking harmless. Your friend's just kind of weird. For the purposes of the podcast, this is psychotic. Yeah, let's, 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 go, let's get very deep on this. Um, well, more seriously, I mean, is, is there actually any harm that comes from this? It's, it's a little strange, but like... It's socially bad to be like, look at me destroying this computer in the yeah. group chat. Stop it. No, no, Derek. that wasn't in the group chat. In the group chat, it was like, look at me destroying this human opponent that I'm playing Vintage Cube against as I attack for 40 and they've got no ball. No, no, no. I think it, I think he's been gacking his screenshots. Well, I don't know. Annulling his opponent's Vintage Cube. So that's on... You can't play against bots on MTGO. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. 
I think it's that no, the Sparky is the guilty pleasure, mate. The secret. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, I see. That's yeah. worse. That's weird. It's, it's, it's like it's confided it's, it's, in me. It's a little. It's a little weirder now. It is a little weird. I don't really play against Sparky, and when I do, it's like to just make, like it's a weird combo deck just because I want to click well, through. Right, right, on a losing record against Sparky. Actually, right, it's crazy. Mate, okay. I, like it. I mean, all right, you don't have to bring that up. Why are you always <laughs> got to vex me like this, Dennis? I don't like. I don't think you can do anything about this. Let's test it. How do you want to test it, Dennis? I've been meaning to tell you something. You know how like I stream and play Magic and you know that sort of stuff, right? Well, sometimes, like, I started, I, like, before I would stream, I'd started practicing the decks that I would stream with, right? And obviously do it against Sparky. But I've just discovered that I just really, really like beating Sparky. And I, I just, whenever I can, I'll just, I'll just do as much damage. And I just like to hurt Sparky as much as I can. I like to deal hundreds, if, if, if not thousands of damage to this poor defenseless AI, Dennis. And I just want to, I just want to confide that into you. And I, I very much hope you won't out me on a Tin Pot Magic podcast in the coming weeks for, for entertainment value. I just played the Discord hang-up sound effect. I thought it would be an appropriate response to that. <laughs> um, yeah, if you came on like, yeah, this is just something I like to do, I'd be like, it would maybe less likely to talk to you again, straight up. It's weird. I'm invested now, but I, I think I would look to I would look to find ways to spend less time with you. Uh, I, th- I think I'd like to find out why this happens. I don't think you want to. I don't think you want to. You don't want to. Okay, so is this is this one of those things? It's like the you know. It's one of those things you just you just don't address. You just leave. I think Jayclex, you're gonna have to accept when they come to do the Netflix documentary about this. You're gonna have to say, "Yeah, I always thought he was a little bit weird." Yeah, you just gotta be yeah, ready you for just, that. You've got to get that. Got to get that line <laughs> ready. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, in all seriousness, whatever. It's just it's it's a little strange. It's kind of funny. I would check the pit. <laughs> okay. I would. <laughs> I would. I would. I would see if he's leaving butterflies when he beats people at F and M. If you haven't seen Silence of the Lambs, it's going to be a very confusing. I know. This is the thing. I haven't seen it, right? But I nah. understand most of the references. For, again, we've talked about this cultural osmosis. You know, it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose. It gets again. the hose. Um, there's the butterfly that has the skull on its ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what else? There's the. What is it? The, 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 That's not in the script. Is it not? No. He was just supposed to say, I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. And then he went. And they were like, that was weird, Anthony. I guess we'll leave it in. I guess we'll leave that bit in. Um, no, the only reason I know that is because the office. Dwight does it in the office. Yes, he does. Yeah, that's the only reason. When I he know puts, the, he cuts the dummy's face off and puts yeah, it on. He he goes, puts Hello, Clarice. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. good movie, Bront. I'm, I'm, I'll probably never watch it. I'll take your word for it. Oh, are you gonna play Resident Evil Eight? No. Have you seen all the buzz about the the big lady? I have. <laughs> the eight foot tall. Vampire woman? Yeah, with the big spiky claws. Yes, I've seen that. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. It seems very spooky, Dennis. I'm all in, man. I'm, I, I'm I, play. I know, and I'm very interested to see in what way you make me, you know, you, know, you force me to playing the game this time. We'll just play it together. I'll do the piloting if you want. Okay. All right. I mean, this. I, I don't know what the trap is here. I, I sense a trap. a trap. There's no trap. I sense there's a trap. Don't worry, don't worry about that. I'm, I'm not. I'm not committing to anything at this point. I will it not. Plays Resident, it plays Resident Evil again on the skin, or else it gets the hose I would, again. Dennis, can I tell you this? I would rather get the hose. Whoa. Okay. Well, what is the hose? I assume it's just being hosed with cold water. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fine. 
Is it fine? I'd you much hate rather being cold. You famously hate being cold. I famously also hate horror games, Dennis. And <laughs> how long are you going to hose me? One of them takes a lot longer. Yeah, yeah what's, I mean, what's the matter? You're not going to hose me for 12 for and a half the, hours. The average time to beat. On the yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, we got another question here, Riley, from TTTT3333. I put in an extra T and an extra three there. A little bonus T and a little bonus three there for everyone to enjoy. Mm. Uh, TTT333 writes in to say, <clears throat> My brother and I had a dispute... During an EDH game, we played, ah, Dennis, the tribunal has been called. We will, mm. we will sit in judgment. It goes as follows. We were playing as my dad, who was at 24 life. I had two life and my brother was at one. Mm-hmm. I was playing a Krenko mob boss and had impact tremors and about seven go- goblin tokens uh, on the battlefield, but not Krenko. So impact so tremors. Anything hits play, he'll kill his brother. It does. It, impact tremors deals damage when, uh, when stuff comes into play, yes. My brother had a Rahav Master Smith deck and a direct current in his graveyard. So direct current is the one that you can um, jumpstart from your bin. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does three damage, yep. My dad had a couple of bigger creatures, but nothing really threatening. I told my brother that if he promises not to attack me on his turn, I won't attack him on my turn. Right, but remember they're at two and one respectively. Yep. So, yep. All right, my brother doesn't like this because if I top deck a creature, I'll kill him with impact tremors, but no choice, and makes the promise. Right. Mm-hmm. We then realize he has direct current in his graveyard, and he can kill me with no com- with non combat damage, which technically doesn't break the deal. I then attack him with two goblins and kill him because he only has Rahab out, and I say we haven't followed through with the deal yet, and he didn't give anything up, but he says a deal is a deal. Was it okay for me to break the deal? No! No. You wrote the terms of the deal. Your brother found a loophole. You got scared and you broke the deal. Yeah. If you broke the de- if you got if you found a loophole by playing a creature. Yes. In, we're all, we're very all very turn. different story. Very different story. But what's your brother gonna do about it? He's dead. Ah, and to the victor go the spoils. <laughs> yeah. No. You no. right you're right. I mean, objectively, you broke the deal. You did break we the deal. We had a deal. Yes. You did have a deal, and I think your brother is right to be upset with you in this situation. Just because you wrote a shonky deal. Yeah, just because you were worse at the mutually assured destruction arms race. Like, would it make any difference if that if the card were in your brother's hand? Or, for example, mm-hmm. had top-decked it, right? Mm-hmm. Your brother was worried about you top-decking a creature that would then mm-hmm. leave him dead to impact tremors. Well, now, did TTT333 think that his brother was being like, oh, I promise I won't attack you, wink, wink, wink. And it, was intending to kill him all along. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Well, I don't think that's. I don't think that's relevant. I think if, it's he thinks, a, if he thinks the deal is in bad faith, I think he's in okay shape. But to the deal break is it. specifically, I will not attack you. Yes, but letter of the law, spirit of the law. No, right? no, no. This isn't letter of the law, spirit of the law. This is just letter of the law. Right. In his bro- from his brother's perspective, that's like I won't attack you, but I'm going to direct her. At you but next that's fine. Turn. If you don't like it, you say I'm not going to kill you next turn. Yeah. Ttt three 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 negotiated a bad deal. Yeah. It's the worst deal. The worst trade deal in the history of in the history deals. of EDH. Honestly, the only person to have been treated badly, worse than TTT three three three, in the history of EDH is probably Abraham Lincoln, and even then, it's close. I think it's the poor dad as to watch sit and watch these two kids bicker back and forth, and he's like, "I'm on twenty four. <laughs> I'm going to EDH around." He's like, "I'm going to win. Just let yeah. it end." <laughs> oh I'm on my 24, god! Twenty four. You got no chance, kids. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I like that the dad isn't pulling punches. What do you mean? Oh, a 24 oh yeah, he's just wrecking them. Yeah, just, just well, but here's the thing, Roddy. Their, their dad's fans day in, day out, proxying against Sparky, mate. Just beating that AI <laughs> into dust. I've got to get good. I've got to get good. I need to be able to defeat my kids Pick on the battlefield. My children. <laughs> it is a dream of every father to bury his son, Riley. You know oh, how dear. Um, no, look. I, I, okay. There is one, there's one way that TTT333 can get out here. 
for me personally, and this is going to take advantage of a, a deep-seated cultural bias that I have, and Dennis does not, as an older brother. Mm. If you are the elder brother, TTT 33, all is forgiven. What? It's fine. It's fine. No, no, no. And you know why, Dennis? Because let me tell you something, little Dennis only child's jack here. If you as an older sibling get into a fight with a younger sibling for any reason whatsoever, right? They started, they can fake it. You know what my brother used to do? He used to hit himself to make the sound of like being punched and then would fall and sort of go, oh, Riley. And then mum would come and go, what are you doing? Like this. Classic. Classic. No, awful. Even in that situation where I didn't, I'd done nothing, right? Riley, Even if Oliver and, and Amelia were mate, fighting. An eye for an eye, Riley. I can't, like, look, if the direct current does not hit, you must acquit. Like, no. we're not, it's not. <laughs> no, because even if Oliver and Amelia were fighting and I was just a, a bystander, I would still get in trouble for the two younger siblings fighting because, and I quote, you should have known better. You're like the UN peacekeeper. But <laughs> like it was, situation. like, older siblings around the world, older siblings around the world are going, they're, they're, they're currently flinching away from their headphones when I say, you should have known better, because that's what we heard our entire growing up. So, if, if, my friends, if TTT333 is the older sibling in the situation, hey, your younger brother should have known better. Your younger brother should have known better to trust you, right? Because you had those goblins. They're coming in. They're coming in hot. And as no the elder brother, way. it is your right. Nay, your duty to put your younger brother in his place. I do not I do not think that just because if he's the older brother, the TTT333 gets prima ataxis or whatever well, divine right for All right, let's put it this way. If TTT333 is not the older brother, this is deplorable. It's disrespectful, right? Riley advocating straight up one rule for me, another for, the, for everyone else here. Only, let me be very clear, only when it comes to older and younger siblings. That is the only just inequity that we should continue to perpetuate in society. Because older siblings, we have the worst deal. We have the mm. worst deal. Well, well, I disagree with you, Randy. Although I think, I think TTT333 is, as Vox would say, pure in the eyes of the Lord here, but not pure in the eyes of the law. I don't think they're even pure in the eyes of the Lord. I think they are. Okay, I, I mean, I, I guess maybe in the Old Testament, God, sure. I think if, I think if you agree not to shoot each other and you see the other guy pulling a knife on you, you can shoot him. But that's not what the other brother did. The other brother just had a direct current in the graveyard, didn't even cast it. I, I don't think you have a much of a... Unless you're in brother court, unless you're in sibling court here, TTT333, you don't have a leg to stand on. But in, in, in older sibling court, acquitted on all charges. The defense rests. We got one more question here, Riley, from a name I'm definitely pronouncing incorrectly. Go on. Tony de Perferphonics, I believe is what it said in the Seems Discord, fine. but here we are. Seems fine. So I've never played Commander before, and I'm probably going to play some of it online for the first time soon. Are there any tips and or tricks that you guys suggest? Any kind of conventions or etiquette that I should be aware of before I play? Interesting question. Um, and lacking one very key piece of information. What does online mean? What does online mean? Dennis, are I you going to ship your cards through tubes? Under the sea? Is that what's going to happen? Are you going to play uh, Commander co- Correspondence Commander where you mail your move over to the next person? Dearest Riley, yeah. stop. <laughs> I untap my lands. Stop. Any responses? I look, for, I, I look forward for your, to your next correspondence. <laughs> stop. I, I pass your sincerely. My yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, because th- this is going to be a very different answer depending on whether you want to play on Spell Table or, an, or a Spell Table like Analog or on Magic the Gathering Online. 
Let's assume it doesn't matter, which is to say spell table. Let's assume this is as close to Paper Commander as possible. Well, let's get the easy part out of the way, because here is my piece of advice if you're, pl- if you're intending to play uh, EDH on Magic One Gathering. word guide. One word the, guide. The one word guide to playing... He, he, it, that's very much what it is. It's, it's not even the two-step program. It's the one-step one step. program to playing Magic the Gathering online EDH. And that one word is don't. <laughs> it's the worst. Don't do it. It's not fit for purpose. It's just it think. sucks, man. Playing playing commander on on moto is is just the worst experience. However, if you're doing it on um on uh, spell table, spell table or, or something, like that, or something yeah. like that, fantastic. We're off to the races. Um, I've got some general commander advice. And let's just I've, go general. Let's just do general commander. Advice. And then so I've got some that, specific ones that, for spell table, which we'll get to after that. I don't think we should worry about that. I think let's just do general commander advice because okay. I think that's relatively evergreen, evergreen between the two modes anyway. No, there is some specific stuff that, uh, having played on spell table a bunch, there is some specific stuff that will help a lot if you get across okay. this nice and early. But let's do the general stuff first. All right. You want to you kick us off? or? So, this is so heavily dependent mm. on who you're playing. Yes. Some people like to play commander to win the game. Mm-hmm. Some people like to play Commander to everybody play four separate games against Sparky and one of us does it faster than the others. Exactly. Some people like to play Mimi Commander where they'll donate you useless stuff or they'll they'll scramble versus everything or whatever. And some people like to play themed tribal decks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Riley, you and I are trying to organize a game and spell table in a Twitter DM thread right now and we're talking about like, what? okay, what kind of decks are we playing? Like what's actually happening? Yep. And that's that, that discussion is essential. That's step one. Like just getting Step zero everyone, even, yeah. Yeah, yeah, getting everyone on the same level. It's like, what what kind of fun are we trying to have here? Are we going to try yeah. to tear each other's throats out? Are we all just playing? Are we all basically just goldfishing in front of each other? Um, and this isn't, this isn't me and Riley trying to like put rules on the fun. It will break if you don't do this. You just need, yeah, you need to establish your terms, right? And that's why most EDH players will have a range of decks to choose from. So you know that if it's getting yes. competitive, you know there's going to be a lot of combat, you pull out the more serious deck. If you know exactly. people are just mucking around, you know, you, you don't bring the, the counterspell land destruction deck. You're like, all right, well, I'm going to try to do... Because my favorite way to play EDH personally is when everyone's trying to do the thing, mm-hmm. right? Everyone has a thing they're trying to do. And that that is almost like a victory. Not It's not actually a win condition, but it's like that's your personal... You know, I like to have a loop out where, like, I have my Archaeomancer, my value creature, and my ghostly flicker in hand. And that, for me, is like, I'm having the fun that I want to have, you know? I prefer to have a themed deck. So be that be all of the snakes in Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. And it has my snake army against this or whatever. Yeah. Or, and I do have a bunch of Metal Gear Solid snake tokens. This is actually Nikki's deck, but we do, I do have the little cardboard box tokens. That's very, very strong. That's extremely good. But then, um, or I have a deck that was a, a Mizzix deck where it was just a bunch of, and it was, I didn't have the infinite combo in there with reiterate. I just would make a bunch of mana and cast a big epic experiment. And sometimes it would kill me. Sometimes it would kill everybody. And sometimes it would kill nobody. Yeah. And it was that, and that felt on and that was, brand. That was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or I like to have a deck that is deliberately confusing to play against mm. because it makes a bunch of different kinds of counters and yes. I use different kinds Talk of dice to represent talk, all the, of them. The, the, the Dennis Vexation special, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. the squint, the, not for not not for the heart of sight. This yeah. deck, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Squinting at all the counters on the battlefield. So establishing your terms is definitely really important, and that'll help you. That'll inform you as to what sort of deck you should be bringing to the table, so you're not the odd one out. How do you feel, Riley, about uh, just equity overall, like damage spreading? Like the okay, who's on the least life? I'll tell. I always who's do the that. Most, I always yeah, do that. Or who's in the most life? Rather, yeah, sorry, I always do that. Let's talk about this as well. Another another sort of convention as well, or I guess piece of advice tip is threat minimization. You want to appear 
non-threatening. Well, this is strategy. Yeah, and this is well, but this is something that you don't think about when you're playing. If you're moving from two player to four player magic, it's a, a very bit, a very different experience because yeah, the most important thing is the delta between the actual threat you are and the perception of the threat exactly. you are. Exactly, exactly. Right. So if you're ramping really hard. You might be thinking, people might, you know, you might think, oh, people ignoring them. I'm not attacking them, but they'll be like, oh, you've got 10 mana and I've only got five. So we've got to start worrying about that, right? This is why, I mean, I don't know if this is still true, but I know the command, um, the command zone, they did a study, right, where they determined that a turn one soul ring was actually detrimental to your mm-hmm. win percentage because it immediately painted you as a target. So there's those sorts of political, and there's plenty of literature on that you can read about. Like, and you you can um, you can smooth that over a couple of ways. Mm. Um, certain decks are better at doing all their thing in one go rather mm. than having to build up. Mm. You can do it with silver tonguing easily, hundred percent. Be like, oh, but Riley's got yeah. you know Riley's cast Riley's drawn four extra cards. Or about five man, he's got yeah. eleven cards in yep, hand. Yep. You know that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. That's all. Uh, that uh, the politicking. Some groups do, and some groups don't politic very very. Uh, very some groups uh take riley down a down a twisted mind palace of his own creation yeah, i don't know i was still totally <laughs> quiet i still live i can't evict him there's a there's a ban on evictions at the moment so i just can't get rid of him um, rent free baby uh in the discord uh some some good points were raised about not carrying grudges over from one table to the other like yeah 100 or one game to another that's even. sorry that's what i mean um you can do it a little bit if it's funny right but like it's it's uh, like this is a discussion. It was a very interesting discussion. The Discord bit.ly slash join Riley's Discord. If you want to get across it, very interesting discussion about when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate and how long it's appropriate to do that for. If you're sitting five games after being like, oh, I'm going to knock Dennis out, even though I know I'm going to lose as well, no. because eleven games ago he cast a lightning bolt on my creature instead of someone else's. Like, it's it's it, that's not a great look, and and you shouldn't sort of drill too down, drill down too heavily on that. I think the main things are make sure you're all on the same page mm-hmm. and go in with a view to have fun not a view to win yeah that, that'll get you that'll get you very far i think that's actually probably that's more important than any other piece of advice mm-hmm. really as far as i'm concerned people do play competitive spiky edh but the format's about fun if you want to win play normal like standard or whatever because that's what it's all like there there's no if you want to win just else. jam games against sparky <laughs> and then tell your friend about it and they'll out you on a podcast yeah. um before we wrap up dinner so i do have a little bit of advice to give for specifically playing on spell table right? yes now here's what you want <clears throat> you want either a um there are some people who have like wipeable cards right now this the is tokens, a, yeah, a yeah. little more speciality right like it'll a, a little things like that but what you definitely want at least is a, a great a great um, resource is a is a li- a small life pad that you can use as write on tokens right so you want small mm-hmm. not small scraps of paper but like you know about as big as a bi- about as big as a magic card blank yeah. right so you can write on them with a sharpie not a pen not a pencil use a sharpie so people can see it on the camera because if you cast something like an oblivion ring you need to write down the name of the card that is underneath it and put it underneath the oblivion ring because you can't take the actual card if you cast a mind control you need to then be able to attack and block with the creature right i, I cast mind control Riley will resume when you post me your lanoir elf and exactly we'll, and then we'll, we'll come back to the game then no so you need to write you know i don't know why you're mind controlling a lanoir else but maybe they maybe it's a really key piece of the puzzle here uh but you write that the, the or name it's of my the- deck and it's got 15 plus and plus one counters on it there you go. It's a sixteen sixteen Lanor Elves <laughs> and you've just stolen it with my control and you need to write that down thing and then and, mm-hmm. and this will aid enormously. Another thing, and this is really important, because this is something that affects not just EDH, but D and D and any other game that is supposed to be played in real life and is played online instead. Don't have Reddit open on your other monitor. Don't be scrolling mm. through Twitter. Don't be on Facebook. Don't do it. Riley, I have a, f- a friend who used to do this when we used to play D&D, and I don't play D&D with this guy anymore, and it's not necessarily related, but yeah, I think you'd do something that would drive you absolutely crazy. Go on. 
So imagine you're DMing a game. Yep. Which you do often. I do. And imagine I'm sitting there at the other end of the table in person now. Yep. And we've said, guy, you can't have your phone at the table. Yep. No phones at the table. No phones at the table. He's like, fine. So he just takes the monster manual and reads it left to right, cover to cover. No. No. So many things I hate about that. <laughs> One is when they He's fight spoiling a, the game for himself. Uh, when they, well, not only are they not paying pay attention to the game, but also when it's like, oh, you're fighting a Minotaur. They're like, okay, it's got 58 hit points and it has this weapon. It's going to attack for this much. And yeah, it's players are so much. obsessed with knowing the armor class. Yeah. Like, it's, and I'm like, oh, so what? You were going to underroll before? Like, what are you talking about? Like, Well, it's just so when you're like, oh, the 15. Like, no, that doesn't, uh, no, that you miss. Like, no, no, in the armor, it says it's 14 in the, in the monster manual. It's like, yeah. And this one has pauldrons. It's got, a, it's got yeah. extra tough. It was bullied as a child and now it has thick skin. Yeah, yeah. What do you want from me? Get out of here. No, I, that absolutely wouldn't stand. Don't do it. At least do your opponents the courtesy of keeping track of whose turn it is. No one wants, like, the first time, maybe it'll be fine, right? Second time, third time, fourth time, people are going to start getting really annoyed. Really, mm. really annoyed. It's it's not good, man. It's not good. It's do somebody it. being on their phone and pressing the age dialed up to a thousand. Yeah. Because you can't, you don't have the agency to be like, hey, man, can you. Because you can't see them, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah. And if you need, if you're finding it boring, right, to sit there and play, talk to the people you're playing with. Have a chat. Ask yeah. about something. Talk about anything from the news Shoot to the, the weather. Shit, yeah. Exactly, right? Um, one final thing, and this isn't to do with MTGO, but oh, sorry, playing online. But I've just remembered this. This is a Corbin Hostler special, right? Are you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Corbin plays pretty cutthroat EDH. Um, and he and his friends have a great rule that I play with a little bit. I don't play with it all the time, but it is really fun. I think you'll like this, Dennis. It's called the cheat counter, right? So at the beginning of the game, you get a D20. And the, the, as soon as someone makes a mistake, right, they tap the wrong lands or they forget to draw a card or they draw too many cards or they do this thing, oh, sorry, I forgot to play this, whatever else, right? You tick up the cheat counter. So it goes to one and then to two and then to three. doesn't matter who does it. If yeah. Dennis does one, it goes to one. If I do one, it goes to two and so on and so forth, right, around the table. And whoever makes it go to 20 immediately loses. Woo! So... At the beginning of the game, ah, it's kind of loose. Oh, I forgot to play my sorry. Oh, I meant to do this. Oh, sorry, I forgot to draw my card. That's ah, it's fine. You know, you Does get that incentivize you actually cheating. Pardon? Does, it, does people actually cheat as a result? Oh no, I mean it's just called the cheat counter because it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's you're making mistakes, right? Oh, big cheats, big cheats, big yeah, cheats, yeah. big cheats. Oh, draw the card, like that sort of thing, right? But once it gets to like 15, 18. 16, yeah. and then on 18, 18, you're 19, playing tight magic. People yeah. are sitting there. Look, and, and the thing is, you're not only watching your own play; you're watching everyone else's because you're like, I can get him yeah. here. I can get him. He's not going to. He's not. It's he's, a win. He's it's a, it's a win con now. He's going to forget it. What? It's a win con it's now. Yeah, yeah. So good. And so if you if you that's just a little bit of spice. If you're ever needing to um that's fun to uh to to ratchet up the fun in your EDH games, you can uh, you can do that one. Anyway, that was pretty good. I feel like we gave some good advice there. I think we actually did get some decent advice. All right. There. Well, let's wrap up the uh, the podcast, Dennis. We're going to do a quick uh secret. It's not secret. Podcast within a podcast, uh, Charizard. Me, we have a chat about some of the video games we've been playing, Dennis. Um, mm. What have we? What have we been up to? Very exciting times in the uh, in the Dennis and Riley shared video game experience. We played Halo Reach. We did, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It is the best Halo game I have played. I don't think it's remotely close. A lot of that is it's the most modern Halo game I have played. To be honest with you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so the gameplay is tighter. It's a much it moves at a much faster clip. It's a much more self contained story. Yep. There's no f-ing flood right, in mate. it. <laughs> So there's one point if you haven't played Halo Reach. I mean, this is not a huge spoiler. It's not gonna. It's not gonna matter too much. It's a decade old. It's fine. When you when you go underground to the 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 ruins, right? And I'm like, oh, Dennis, are you ready? Because I knew where he'd my his mind would go. And I'm like, oh, mate, you ready for this fight? And he's like, why? What's happened? Okay, what's what's in this ruins? Is it? 
is it the flood? I'm like, oh, you'll see, you'll see. And Dennis is there like, don't tell me because this game has been so good. Don't ruin it now. But uh, yeah, you don't like fighting against the flood. A mainstay of the Halo Halo universe. It's like half of the other games, honestly. Like, I've hated the latter half of every Halo game because it's always just a flood fest. Yeah, that is the way it goes. In the first half of the games, you don't fight against the flood. In the second half, you do. And and you're like, oh, no. Suddenly, the thing it was obviously going to be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Every time. Like, I don't know. Like, the flood is fine if it was in the last two levels of every Halo game. The problem is it is in the last six or seven levels of every Halo game. And I'm like, oh, my God, I get it. I, oh my god! I, I don't have the same problem as you, but it was interesting revisiting Reach for the first time in a, in a couple of years and playing it with someone who was experiencing it for the first time, having played the first three. I think it is probably the best, just like gameplay wise, right? As in, it's it's just modern, it's 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 slick, it's the tight, jet it's, fighter segment's really cool and it, stuff. It, yeah. It, yeah, it's 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 a really really cool game, but I think a lot of the story only works because you've played the trilogy. I think without having played one, two, and three, the yes. story would kind it of- It would just be a random shooty space game. Exactly. It doesn't really work. But it does have that big Rogue One energy that you love. Um, I love that. That was- And the ending was fantastic. The- Spoilers for um, um, Reach, where at the end, it's just like, survive, kill as many covenants as you can, but you will die. You will die. Yep. You make your final stand, and, and, and that's well, the game. I, I, I didn't die. I died. It was Riley died, which gives my which gave my co-op character just an aneurysm. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Oh, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, my my bike, my clone. My, my guy, my guy died of a broken heart. Basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, for me, it's funny though because the other thing that that playing this game revealed is how much nostalgia, um, blankets over your realistic perception of games. Because you say that Halo Reach is the best game, best Halo game, and it's not close, right? Mm-hmm. For me, it's still Halo One. And I can't justify that any further than I like it more. Yeah. And like we ran into the same thing playing Metal Gear. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. I got extremely frustrated playing Metal Gear Solid 2. Well, 3 is the best one, I think, but same deal. But like you like Metal Gear Solid 2. I like it fine. And I I found it hard. Metal Gear Solid 3 was better and I enjoyed it a lot more. But I mean, we'll talk about this next week, I'm sure. But we started playing Mm -hmm. Metal Gear Solid 4 and I love it. We haven't been playing any of it. You've been watching it mostly. Oh, yeah. it's, Netflix, it's like a Netflix show. <laughs> we will talk about that next week. But um, but yeah, having you just be like, no, Reach, hands down, best game. I'm like, that's... I, I'm not going to disagree with you because like, it's difficult to... Well, like, I, I, the shooting of Halo, I could kind of take or leave, to be honest. It's fine. The like, only reason um, it's fine is because it set the standard for the genre. It's also one of those things where it's like, um, bad, it's like good audio design in a game. You don't really notice it if it's good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You notice if shooting feels bad, yeah. the shooting in Halo feels good, so it's fine. Yeah, the shoot, you, you're never like, wow, this is really, really excellent. It's just like this. Well, I am in the vehicle segments. Yeah. and, th- and Those, that, I think, are really good. And that, that, I think, is Halo's biggest strength, is its vehicular yeah. combat. When you're in the Warthog, yeah. you're in the Scorpo, you, you, you know, you're, you're punching the head of the, of the elite 100%. that's in the Wraith, dragging them out and then getting in it. Like, that, that is where, it, that's Halo at its finest, I think. And the story of Reach, some of it cashes in on the fact I played the first one. It's like, we got to bring Cortan to the Pillar of Autumn. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's a really weird retcon, but I guess it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it feels cool, but a lot of times it's just like, these are some guys. They are on a mission. They have to sacrifice themselves to do the thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like there is an intergalactic covenant of aliens whose religion says they need to find and destroy Earth. It's like, okay, calm down. Like, it's a lot more. Dennis made a, a really interesting observation while we were playing Reach, not about Reach itself, but about the Halo series in general. Halo puts the weirdest amount of effort into its story. Not the it most the or least the least, amount, just the yeah. weirdest amount of, of effort. It puts a lot into its like world building, backstory, um, 
I guess, I don't know, what would you call it? Like the, the stage setting, the foundations? Yeah. And then implements it in a really ineffective way. Like every cutscene afterwards, I'd be like, okay, what's what going happened? on? Like, yeah. Like you can't like, hear I could, the dialogue. I could take more, I could take more or less Either would story. be better. Right? Either would be better. Either would be better because in the trilogy If it was go from A to B, shoot aliens, fine. Yeah. If it was, you know, if it was, because there's no characters in Reach, really. Like there's Emil. Emil has a skull on his helmet. Yeah, there's cat. That's who, about it. There's cat who is the hacker lady. Like there's, I don't know anything about any of no. them. No, and that, that I think actually is fine because that's not what Reach is about. But but in- then when Emil dies, it's like, oh no, Emil died. Yeah, and I'm like, so who? I don't. <laughs> I think Emil's death is just kind. Of, I, Emil's death is cool, man. It's cool because he's like gets stabbed yeah, or whatever. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. But like I know but what then you the mean. Guy d- the guy died before that. He got shot in the head. What was his name? Was that Cat? No, that was Cat who got shot. Yeah, yeah. They're running away, and Cat gets shot, and they're like, "Oh no!" And then they leave, and I'm like, "Yeah, but I, I but I think Reach does that better than one, two, and three. Agreed. Because in in one, two, and three, like you will be fighting the flood, you'll be fighting the covenant, and Cortana will be in your ear, and you just can't hear it. Just can't. Hear you it. just can't hear. Or it. like, or like, even like with the Arbiter in Halo Two, it's yeah. like. Oh, like oh, the Arbiter. The Arbiter is the guy who was supposed to stop Master Chief and then didn't, and he's been disgraced. So now he has to, you know, fulfill going to suicide. And what a great setup! Like, but so- Riley was telling me all of this. None of this was in the cutscenes. <laughs> like- and this is exactly what I'm saying. The story itself, right? Like the actual world building, the the the, the, the characters, the the, the 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 all the setup, the establishment is uh, the, is fantastic. And then they implemented in in as you, as you say, the worst possible way by giving you enough details that it's confusing, but not enough that you can actually figure it out. And the, the plot is cool. Like the Flood and the Halo mm-hmm. Rings and the Forerunners, it's all cool. And the shifting allegiances between the three of them as well. It's as they good all want sci-fi. Different things. Yeah. And then like the Arbiter and the Master Chief were together at the end mm-hmm. and it's all against the Hive models. Cool. Very obtuse. You like you could very much, like you could either play the game as like a ah, Rudy Tootie shooting aliens game, mm-hmm. in which case you're missing out on all the cool stuff, or you could try and get into the cool plot stuff, in which case there's not really enough of it there. And and they they try to do I think both and it just doesn't it, it falls flat as a result because they don't have the half an hour Metal Gear Solid cutscenes to explain cut what's scenes, going yeah. on they try to shoehorn it in with dialogue that happens in combat which doesn't work and, but it's not Apex Legends where it's just shooty rooty tooty fun game that's it so like I don't want to get like Halo fanboys and fangirls coming in saying Halo is the better because I love Halo I love the franchise I loved it dude I loved it too but I think it's a failure of the like I think Halo is one of the best shooting games ever made right I know, I, I'm not I'm not going to be very criti- critical of the gameplay because I think it's fantastic but I think the development mm-hmm. of, this, of, of what is an incredible story was so let down by its implementation if I have to go and read the Halo wiki to understand what happened in the game something bad has happened right and look I'm a Metal Gear Solid fan which is way mm. other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. way overshoots i'm not even talking about alaskan field mice i'm talking like a- you didn't need to have someone quadruple cross them yeah like yeah. that level of stuff <laughs> like people don't need to be triple agents it's fine yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. but i think I, so, I think the yeah. observation like i i I'm not going to criticize Halo's gameplay because I think it's fantastic, but I think I think Dennis's observation about it being the least useful amount of effort put into a story really does ring true for me. And this is a this is a series that I love. This is a series that you know is a huge part of my my cultural legacy as a as a teenager. So anyway, right now I, I think now that I've passed you know completed Master Chief's core trilogy, yeah. and you know Reach fell. Spoilers, yeah. Um, but I Dennis, think I they told too. me Reach would never fall. I love that bit in the Brian David Gilbert yeah. when he's in the books, and he's like, he knew his home reach would not yeah. fall, and he stares at the camera and is like, ooh. <laughs> anyway, what were you going to say now that you've done the I love trilogy? It. I think I love it. Yeah. I think I love Halo. Yeah, it's really good. Are we going to play Halo 4? 
Maybe. Yeah, like one I'm day. Me- I'm medium on it. No. I mean, I feel like you're medium on it. I played it once years ago, and I went away from being like, eh. Do you feel about Halo 4 the way I feel about Metal Gear Solid 5? It's, yeah, well, because mm, you're quite complimentary of Halo. But you, so, so Dennis's attitude on Metal Gear Solid 5 is you, could, you should play it because it's a good action game. Yeah, it's a great it's a great video game. It's not a Metal Gear game. I don't even all. have that about Halo 4. You don't even have Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then, all right. Like, it was fine. It was really short. I remember playing it. I played it in, like, two afternoons with my friend Adrian. And, I, like, at the end mm. of it, I was like, we waited years for this? All right, well, I guess. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Right. Last I mean, exactly it, no, it wasn't bad. I wasn't like, wow, this was a letdown. But it was just like, okay. I, I, Anemic, yeah. Yeah, and I, I never played Halo 5. You can play Halo 5 if you wanted. Well, if we play Halo 5, I'd like to play Halo 4. But, like, that my, my, <laughs> sure. my point is that, like, Maybe I just grew out of it, but I think a big very, thing that, very possible. that 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 sort of that uh, something that helped my path diverge from Halo was playing four and just being like, I don't really care about this anymore, dude. When Halo two finished, I was like, well, I mean, I was like fifteen or whatever or fourteen, and I was like, oh, I can't wait. Halo three, give it to me. I've got to know what happens. Like, I bought Halo three, I played it, as, you know, seventeen, eighteen. I was like, oh man, this game rules, right? But then when Halo 4 came out, I was like, eh, I guess, I mean, maybe I'll play it again. It was, eh, you know, it had a very different, and maybe that was an age thing, I don't know, but definitely, I don't know. I guess this is how people felt, like, when the prequels came out. It's just video games, man, as well. Like, when I, I was 16 or 15 when yeah. Microsoft 4 came out, yeah. and I was, I, I lined up at that game stuff at 8 a.m. Yeah, of course, yeah. I was similar. I, I bought Halo 3, like, uh, the day it came out after school or whatever. whatever but yeah. Microsoft 5 or even Death Stranding, I was like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Exactly. I think I think it's just an age thing more than anything else. It's just a much larger percentage of your life at the time than it is yeah. nowadays. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, exactly. It's a little sad, but we've set, we've carved out our little window in the morning, and we'll we'll talk about you know the the Patriots and their guns next week. Next week, Metal Gear Solid 4 chat, but spoiler alert. I'm bloody loving it. It's a real video game. I'm loving it. I was. I really enjoyed the cultural consumption that came with MGS One, Two, and particularly Three. I really enjoyed like getting up on know, knowing what the games were about. Metal Gear Solid Four, fantastic. Loving it. Anyway, just a good game. We'll right. uh, talk more about that next week. But Dennis, that is it for this week episode of Smart. Thanks everyone for listening to it. Thank you to Joe and Grove for the music. Thank you to Channel Fireball and to Maddie and Hal. Maybe potentially, pending, potentially pending. A, pro- a, a provisional, a probationary thank you to them. But until then, stay fresh, cheese bags. 